Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
downloadable in 18 countries. So now it's 18 countries where people are downloading our stuff. And uh, we're on all these different various platforms where you can find us online, just to name a few, uh, Stitcher, um, iHeart, uh, Player.fm, CastBox, TuneIn, um, iTunes, Spotify. It goes on and on. Radio Public, a lot of, a lot of great networks we're on. Um, and it's just it's truly a blessing that, that we keep – Growing stronger and stronger and larger and larger and uh, um, it's it's awesome it really is uh, huge uh, media headlines today huge media headlines all week uh, we have not been with you since Tuesday and there's been a lot been going on since Tuesday um, and we are going to get to that uh, in just a moment I do want to first and fo- foremost um, you know uh, thank all of my Co-host as usual. Um, I have one of my co-hosts on the line right now, Josh Halabate. How are you, buddy, out of Ohio? Doing fantastic. What's going on? Oh, man, great stuff, man, great stuff. Doing well. Uh, great to have you here. Um, I, uh, I want to thank all of my sponsors. Um, you know, we have a huge show tonight, economics expert, historian, public policy analysis professor, political consultant, political strategist, best-selling author, and a contributor to Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, USA Today, and Washington Post. Dr. Andrew Yarrow will be calling in for the first time, and he's a very popular guy. You can find him all over the Internet. He's uh, done a lot in his life. He actually used to be one of the other things he used to do as well is uh, be a former Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton speechwriter, so that's pretty impressive. Um, and we'll also be having former military service member, political activist, and director of the Title um, X Equity Project at SAVE, which stands for Stop Abusive and Violent Environments. Uh, Trent Cromarty will be calling in. Uh, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, writer for Newsmax, Livezette, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. Michael Bussler will be calling in. And as usual, uh, Valerie Greenfeld, who will be joining us momentarily, 
she used to work for Ronald Reagan back in the day, and uh, she's doing a lot of big things in the headlines these days. And um, it's very exciting stuff. Um, but I, I do what I do want to get to is the the main the main topic, obviously, for everyone, which everybody has been talking nonstop about these past forty eight hours. Um, obviously, this was not an issue when we were on the air. Well, actually, you know, wait, we were on the air, I'm thinking right now. So we were last on the air Tuesday. Packages, at that point when we were on the air, they had only been delivered to George Charo's house. So as of yesterday, um, you know, the list is giant, guys. And this is, you know, I have a lot of speculations on this. I have a lot of theories. I have a lot of thoughts, you know, in terms of what I think, uh, you know, is going on here. Um, but if you look at the people that are involved and the people that are getting packages, it's all people that have been anti-Trump and against Trump the most and have attacked him the most. Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, John Brennan, Maxine Waters, George Soros, Robert De Niro, um, you know, Camilla Harris. And you have all of these names and you have the midterms two weeks away. You have the massive crisis caravan down at the border that is now totaling at 14,000 uh, people coming across. You have all of these things in place. The Democrats know that the American people are waking up to the reality of their corruption with the caravan, and they know that they're in trouble, the Democrats, for the midterms, and the Republicans are on this huge role and have this giant momentum going. And we have never put it past the Democrats to pull any sort of stunt. We saw what, we, what they did with Kavanaugh. We saw what they've done with everything possible, the fake Russia probe. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, the, even Gorsuch, they tried to give Gorsuch a hard time in a sense. I mean, everything Trump's done that jeopardizes, you know, their, their power or anything they do, they will step in the way. And it has been said in numerous reports now with these caravans that George Soros is funding this uh, through different uh, ways and loopholes. There's different, uh, you know, ways he's funneling and, and, and put, giving the money to these different organizations that are bringing these people here, which is sick. But going back to this bomb thing, look at the timing, everybody. Look, look at the timing of all of this. I mean, two weeks before the midterms, you know, they want to make the Republicans look bad. This is just a deflection from the caravan crisis. The Democrats are trying to play the victim stance. They're the ultimate party of victims. They always want to feel like they're the one that, you know, can't be the enemy. They're the ones that are always, you know, uh, the victims. Um, you know, we had Dan Perkins on a few nights ago, and, and he said it many times, and, and I've described it. I mean, the Democratic Party is the par party of victim mentality. And this, to me, seems like an inside job for so many reasons. I mean, why at all these at one point, you know, in in the same day and even a day after each other, would all these people be getting explosives that were so anti-Trump? I mean, these were some of the most anti-Trump people. And I didn't I, I didn't mention I don't think oh yeah I did mention De Niro, but but you look at this and it just seems like. This is a, a narrative to point in front of people's eyes and, and, and have their ears open up. It's somewhat believable because maybe there is some crazy Trump supporter out there that is fed up with all these people 
you know, attacking Trump. But that, we know that's not the case. No conservative is stupid enough to pull this, do this. This is something that is a left tactic. But the, 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 if you see what the liberals are doing, they're trying to make this as some AWOL Trump supporter went nuts and sent all these packages. I mean, can, like, I've seen so many different comment boards, bipartisan, all over the Internet, and even people on their own, in their own party, on the Democratic Party, voters are calling this suspicious timing, and they're calling it kind of odd that all of these people are suddenly getting targeted when we've had all we've had two years trump's been in office two years and all these people have been attacking him for two years i mean why now why now this is bullshit this is this is a complete and this is a con job like trump describes it just like what they did this is scary this is scary stuff but um josh i want to get your thoughts yeah, you know, first and foremost, whether it's someone that is, a, you know, a, a wacky Trump supporter that's doing this or it's somebody using this as a political, you know, um, tactic on the left, shame on that person, period. Uh, end of story right there. Whoever's doing this, you know, I, I disagree with all of those people's politics uh, listed, but I, I don't wish death um, on any of them. Now, that being said... Yeah. I, t- I tell you what, the timing is a little odd as well as the way that it's gone about. I just don't – someone who actually wanted to kill any of these people, I don't see them – Like if you I think they would be them. clever, if you, if you think they'd be clever, they wouldn't do it all in the same day or consecutive days. They'd spread it exactly. out if they were smart. Well, and you know what? If you're smart enough to create a device that could potentially kill someone – uh, you're going to be smart enough not to do it all on one day when as soon as the first one's detected, everyone's on high alert. I mean, not only the Democrats are on high alert, the Republicans, I mean, everybody who is a public official was on high alert. And there, you think, I mean, an idiot would only do it this way or someone who was using it uh, for a political pawn. I, I mean, obviously, we don't know yet. It does seem suspicious, though. Well, let's let's not forget the fact that, and I, I am going to uh, introduce our special guest here momentarily. But I, I do, you know, want to mention the fact that let's not forget, you know, even CNN was delivered a package. This all smells really fishy to me, and you know what? What really kind of sets it the wrong way is we've seen the left make so many attempts to try to bring Trump down and try to bring the Republican Party down, especially when we have the momentum, when we have the, the political advantage, when we have the gain, when we have this sort of leverage and mentality going. And, I, you know, until we know the facts, I cannot put it out there that, you know, this was an inside job, but I'm just suspicious. I'm very, very suspicious because, you know, like I said, I think it's personally a deflection from the caravan I think somebody inside the Democratic Party, um, you know, whether, whether it was George Soros, whether it was somebody, I don't know who it was, but I think this was, this, this was, this was premeditated. I, I just can't, I can't see somebody or a group, because let's face it, not one person is responsible for this. This would have to be a group, um, you know, thing put together to send all this stuff out. Now, and there was also ISIS emblems on it. So, I mean, you get all these mixed signals. So there's all this crazy, I mean, it's, it's nuts. And, and now the uh, NYPD um, ex-bomb squad, a, a guy that used to work for 
um, like the ex-bomb squad said there's now sufficient evidence um, of, uh, of certain things uh, that will possibly be disclosed by Friday. I don't know if we're – I don't think we'll ever have the answers to this, but that's just my personal opinion. I, I think this is one of those things like the Vegas shooting. I think there's a lot of unanswered questions. But, Valerie, your thoughts um, – Go ahead. Valerie Greenfeld, everybody. Uh, legislative Affairs Thanks, for Lori. Ronald Reagan, radical Islam expert and best-selling author. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, well, what I've read anyway is that it was an amateur that probably learned how to make this stuff online uh, by reading yeah. online. Um, and the latest thing that I heard was that um, because none of that uh, bombs have exploded, they're not entirely sure right. that they were meant to explode. I don't know if you've already covered right. that because I can't, just came right. in. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I, um, I was just going to say that there was a new recent report saying they investigated majority of the bombs or, uh, you know, ex- you know, supposed explosives that were sent out, and none of them were uh, going to explode. They they even established that once they examined them. So, so really, you know, they're just trying to um, make a statement. Scare tactic. Yeah, and so, you know, the fact that, I mean, that doesn't mean that they won't explode in the future, but so far, um, I think there wasn't even a timer that was able to say, you know, when it would explode, and uh, apparently it just, it's a political statement, and and that still is terrorism, but it's it's a different kind, you know, and... um, I agree with you on the timing, you know, before the election um, and the fact that it's it's all two liberal uh, organizations, liberal people, and that each of those were all some people um, that had criticized Trump publicly. Um, but I just don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But I'm sure the authorities know by now. They've had enough um, evidence and, um, and, and a st- such a strict pattern that follows the same, every, yeah. you know, for each event that um, I'm sure yeah. they have answers by now. Maybe we'll hear well, tomorrow. Yeah, NBC New York reported multiple suspected crude pipe bombs sent to prominent Democrats and others were not capable of exploding, quote-unquote. Yet law enforcement officials yeah. told the news outlet that some of the devices have not yet been completely analyzed. So, you know... <laughs> I mean, there's a, so many false flags and red flags here. And once I heard De Niro got one, I'm just like, well, what? I'm just thinking to myself, you know, there's been so many other actors that have, I mean, De Niro said some hardcore things and hateful things about Trump, but I, I can think of some actors that have done worse and they haven't gotten or received anything, you know. Um, so, I don't know. And just all the timing. You have Maxine Waters, Camilla Harris, you know, you have all, all these different people that are so – you know, one-sided and anti-Trump, and it just—it's so fishy. I don't know even what to even think of this. Like, I—you get up in the morning, and this is the sort of headlines you read. That it's like the, the the public deserves to know the truth, and you would think with all of the security and technology and how evolved it is these days that we would have answers within hours. I mean, you know, if we can see everything that, you know, and certain things that are going on in space and, and, and all this stuff and, uh, from satellite 
you know, from different satellites, why the hell wouldn't we know this right away? I mean, the Secret Service is one of the greatest at what they do of all. There's nobody better. They pick up stuff quicker than you can count to five. I think they just don't want to report it yet. I think they know. They're just not ready to report it because there may be more coming in the next day or two. Um, yeah. Apparently, they were all mailed around the same time, and there's, that just might take another extra day to get to certain places. Um, and I think yeah, they just you know, don't you know want to. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely hear you. And you know, you know what's bothering me, and, and I'm sure this is bothering a lot of people. You had CNN and MSNBC yesterday, you know, right away jumping to conclusions. You know, not, not all the broadcasters, but majority of them. I can count a handful that were saying this is because of Trump's hateful rhetoric and what he does to pump up his base, you know, saying the media is the enemy of the people and saying all of this, you, you know, divisiveness, you know, speech. But, but let, let's face the facts here. I want to report something that probably not everybody is, re, is reporting right now. The New York Times published a Trump assassination fantasy right before the mail bomb scare on Tuesday. So these are the type of articles that are being published on a daily basis. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, I know that, you know, majority of us Trump supporters or, at like, uh, you know, we're a law-abiding citizens. But that doesn't mean you have that small little crowd that, you know, can't snap and completely lose their shit, especially after they're seeing stuff like this. Like when you have – this shouldn't even be allowed at the New York Times. I mean, they're such a reputable and well-known paper that you're having your reporters write up assassination fantasies about our fucking president? Are you serious? I mean, this, is, this, is, this has gone to a whole new level. And for, you know, for the Democrats that are blaming this on Trump, for them to make it a one-sided issue and say Trump is the, just, he's the problem, nobody else, I, I, that is despicable. It, it, it is dis- a disgusting, disgraceful, and the most ignorant statement you can make. Trump, Trump, you know, is out there speaking his mind, speaking truth, speaking to his voters, speaking to people like we're human beings. He's not a scripted politician like we've had, you know, our entire lives. I mean, you know, Trump is one of those guys that is genuine and authentic, you know, and a lot of people can't handle that. A lot of people are so used to hearing what they want to hear from, you know, whatever, wherever they come from. And, and a lot of people can't handle the truth. And I think that's been kind of put into perspective and established on so many different levels when we see all the tantrums in the streets and everything that's going on. I mean, we're seeing all of this. Violence, And you know what I said is that it started with the restaurants. It started with them harassing them in restaurants, harassing them on the street, and now it's, ter- it's going to get worse. This is going to escalate. And just like Dan Perkins said the other day, he believes people are going to start getting killed, especially if the Republicans win the midterms, which there's a, real, there's a really good chance we're almost certain – uh, that the red wave is coming because, I mean, the Democrats at this point have no logical message. I mean, there's no moderate left in the Democratic Party. There's no Joe Lieberman. I mean, it's completely gone communist and gone completely radicalized. It's scary. Uh, Josh, go ahead, and then I'm going to introduce our special guest. Yeah, you know, real quick, just to wrap this up, I hope whoever did this, you know, no matter what they did it for uh, or their reasoning behind it, I hope they go to jail uh, that's for damn sure, because if you did it for a political pawn 
you know, or because you actually wanted to try to kill these people or scare these people, you know, that's a whole nother level of messed up. And I don't care who you right. voted for. I don't you know. None of us on this call support any type of action like that. Uh, so I hope those people are found out and, you know, answer for what they did. Rory, can here, I make a real quick comment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, real quick, though. Here's what scares me. What scares me is that the government's going to point to a fall, fall guy. They're not, they're not really going to come up with any sort of conclusion, and there's going to be no, no sort of sufficient evidence or uh, who exactly did it. They're at some point going to need to come out. Uh, with something or someone, and you know that's one of my biggest fears. And a lot, and then you know, obviously, a lot of the other fears, just like any other American, is the unanswered questions. Is you know, we have all these things that, um, you know, that are are a mystery. Um, but go ahead, go ahead, Valerie. I just wanted to say that um, you know the the media and the Democrats are saying you know Trump says all this terrible stuff. And, you know, yeah. we, we, I agree that Trump is not, you know, the most um, elegant speaker, but he never incited <laughs> violence against right. anyone. He never said, right. kick them or, you know, wait right. until we get into power so we can be nicer or, you know, right. um, like Maxine Waters kind of stuff. He never says anything right. on, the, on the level of what the Democrats right. have been saying. And to put them on the same, um, same level, put them and Trump – on the same moral equivalence, I think is is what they're you know what the media is trying to do, but it's really not it's not correct and it's not fair. Right, right. I do want to play a quick clip, um, and then I want to I want to introduce our um, our special guest. Um, this is a quick two minute clip, just basically Trump um, dismissing and totally um, you know not saying you know going against what happened. I mean, he totally. Uh, you know, you know, said this is totally it's unacceptable. I mean, there's no place in America for it, and the media still wants to com- continue to blame him and you know say it's his fault. I mean, this is sick. But Trump, compl- you know, makes a a sincere uh, you know explanation here, and you know, it puts everything into perspective. He absolutely does. One, two. I'd like to begin today's remarks by providing an update on the. Suspicious packages and devices mailed to current and former high-ranking government officials. The safety of the American people is my highest and absolute priority. I have just concluded a briefing with the FBI, Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, and the U.S. Secret Service. As we speak, the packages are being inspected by top explosive experts. And a major federal investigation is now underway. The full weight of our government is being deployed to conduct this investigation and bring those responsible for these despicable acts to justice. We will spare no resources or expense in this effort. And I just want to tell you that in these times, we have to unify. We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America.
so there you so there you have it, guys. I mean, you know, he totally, you know, you know, put it. Does not condone it. Does not support any of it. You know, regardless of what some of the the fake news says. But anyways, I do want to welcome our our first guest, economics historian, public policy analysis professor, political consultant, political strategist, best-selling author, and a contributor to Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Los Angeles Times. USA Today and Washington Post. Dr. Andrew Yarrow, how are you, sir? Doing great. It's great to be on your show, Rory. Yeah, it, it's a ple- well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming on. Um, you know, you've lived quite the life. Um, <laughs> you've had it. You've had a very uh, impressive background. Whether it's from being uh, Bill Clinton's speech, if I read right, you're, you were Bill Clinton's speechwriter. The Clinton administration, Actually, correct? not Clinton's, but a speechwriter in his administration in the Labor Department. Okay, excellent. And you've, you know, you're, you've written, you're a contributor to all those big uh, newspapers and, and different media outlets, and you've, you've been doing this a long time. And you're also, um, you, you were a professor, or you still are, at American University, and you've done a lot of stuff on, you know, World War II, uh, U.S. history, economics. I mean, you you've done such a wide variety of different things. And if I'm not mistaken, now um, you work for a think tank, um, the Progressive Institute. What, what's it called exactly? Uh, Progressive Policy Institute. It's uh, sort of a centrist think tank. Excellent. Very good. Very good. Well, you know, and, and your new book is out, and, and you know that. But talk about that a little bit, real quick. I, I, you know, for for anybody that doesn't know, um, you know what it what it entails and, and what it uh, addresses. Sure, sure, Rory. Uh, first off, thank you for the kind of glamorous portrayal of my life. It hasn't all been that glamorous, but um, my book uh, is called "Man Out: Men on the Sidelines of American Life." And it looks at many ways in which men or many men in America are not doing well, you know, who are not doing well in the work world, in relationships, with families and children, and in, in terms of issues like health and mental health. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of anger out there as, as uh, you know, I heard you uh, talking before. I mean, it's crazy these uh, these bombs, or if they are really bombs. But, what are you, what you is know, your whole? What's your? Whole, by the way, I want to ask your thoughts on that before before you continue. What is your whole thought? Well, I think it is too early to know. Um, but just the very fact that anyone has done this, you know, is a pretty sorry statement about our politics. You know, whether it's someone apolitical, ISIS on the right, on the left, it's a pretty sorry thing. Yeah, uh, but continue, though. I'm sorry I I, I interrupted you. You were were saying. Sure, sure. Um, The book looks at a, a, a number of issues for particular populations of American men. There are about a... 100 million adult men in America, which I define as being early 20s and late 60s. I mean, one can, you know, fiddle with those figures. But um, 
But I estimate about between one in four and one in five men are really struggling in a number of ways. Uh, and, you know, not only in the ways that I mentioned, but with addictions, in their relationships with women. I mean, I think there's a lot of toxicity. I mean, this is not news to anyone. A lot of toxicity in terms of male-female relations these days. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you bring up, you know, a really good point and on so many different, on so many different levels. I mean, you know, this, this plays into, you know, our society and, you know, what's, what's currently going on with, you know, and and it's not just males, obviously it's both sides of the aisle. Um, But I, I definitely, you know, I see people, you know, struggling in certain ways and it's almost like, you know, it's it's like what 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 is the right coping mechanism for them? I mean, it, you know, or or how do they improve? I mean, how do they get out of their ways? How do they get out of that cloud? You know, I mean, there's so many, um, you know, different things that go into factor into this you know, in terms of, you know, people, you know, their habits their mindset, you know, uh, their DNA, their um, family heritage, I mean, their, their bloodline. I, so many things factor into this, I guess. I mean, Correct? Yeah, you're right, Rory. Um, and I think another big problem is a lot of people have been afraid to talk about the problems of men. It's kind of politically incorrect. You know, we've focused so much on on women's issues and women's rights and you know there have been good reasons to do that historically but you know if you bring up men and the ways ways in which they're struggling whether it's at the uh, because of the economy because of women in their lives because of employers you know a whole batch of things it's it's not something a lot of people want to talk about no, no, I absolutely hear you. And, you know, I'm glad that you're kind of bringing this to light and making awareness of this, because I'll tell you why. You see all of the hysteria and commotion and, and all of this craziness, sensitivity with, with you know, women's rights and, and women. And, you know, what, what about the men? What about the men that are struggling? What about the men that are, are having, you know, we, we can – and you're right, people don't want to talk about it because, you know, the, the way our society has tried to portray things, especially, you know, a lot, a lot of times on the, on the left that, you know, w- women are completely, you know, flawed, flawed. I mean, in, in a sense, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't mean that. God, how, do, how do I put this? How do I put this? I mean, fe- let's yeah. just say it like this. Fe- feminism has taken over so badly that we have men have forgot what, what it's have forgotten what it's what it's like to be to be a man and to be macho and to be masculine and and, and forgot you know their duties and and you know stuff that they have to do in their life because there's so many different distractions. There's so many different um, you know emotions running through their brain and. A lot of it has to do with the current political climate. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we are divided. 
We are. And, Rory, can I? Can I? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, okay. Valerie. Okay, sorry, right. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I think a lot of it is that um, we're everything is a we versus they. We have to put people in boxes, and you know right. everybody has to have their place where they right. belong. Instead of just being right. Americans, and you can be a man or a woman or black right. or white or you know any right. any kind of um, a box that you want to check. We're, we're dividing right. ourselves into little boxes, yeah. and I think that's what's causing so much division. And if if everybody would just look at us as one, we're all Americans. We're all here. Yep. You know, we all most of us we want yep. the same things. We're trying. You know, we're working hard. All of these things, <laughs> instead of constantly looking for for the division. And that's and I've been saying this. I've been saying this for the real quick. I mean, you're I've been absolutely this for the right, Val. Before before you respond, Doctor Doctor Yara, I want I want to say something real quick. I've been saying for the longest time that you know when you say African American, when you say Asian American, when you say Hispanic American, when you say you know all these different things, why can't people just say American? Why do people always have to be in these separate categories like gay rights, women's rights, transvestite rights? I mean, you got all these different things. Why can't it just be? And people have to, you know, put themselves in all these boxes and, and diagnose themselves with all these different things. It's absolute ludicrous when it can just be so simplified. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right, Rory, and, and Valerie, your point that, you know, we should really care about all Americans. I mean, you shouldn't put people in boxes. There shouldn't be you know, movements that just focus on on one little segment or large segment of the population. And, yeah. you know, I had a lot of men talk to me. I talked to probably about 200 men and some women around the country while doing, doing this book. And a lot of guys said, well, feminism's done a lot for women, but what's it done for men? Or it's left men confused. I mean, who are one side, they? One sided, j- a jaded, a very jaded, one sided ideology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of these men believed in equity between uh, men and women. I mean, I do too. But they just feel that, you know, something ran off the rails with feminism. And, you know, it's hurt them. Uh, and hurt them in a number of ways, whether it's, you know, issues of uh, child custody and divorces, uh, issues of kind of double standards where, you know, women want equity in the workplace, which is fine, but they don't really want equity at home with children as parents. You know, the mom is still number one in most cases, not all, of course. Right. you know, you can cut this in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, you I know, the whole – oh, go go ahead, Valerie. I was never a feminist. I think, you know, we should just be out for ourselves. You know, everybody should be out for themselves and helping other people, not saying, I, you know, I'm going to vote for someone because they're a woman or I'm a woman so I deserve right. XYZ. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's just the, the whole idea of feminism to me – is wanting to have everything, to have the cake and eat it too, to have, you know, the best job and be at, um, the boss at home. And um, 
I just feel like each woman can make their own decision or each couple together can make their decision what's, what's best for them instead of trying to make a blanket statement that all women should have this and all women should have that. Um, that's my first point. My second point is that um, I have four boys, and I'm very concerned about their future in terms of, you know, the Kavanaugh effect. You know, they're going to, you know, hold somebody's hand in the hallway at school and, you know, who knows what they're going to be accused of and their whole lives can be ruined, you know, because this has become such a big issue. And, um, I think, I think boys are scared and I don't blame them. Yeah. I mean, that takes away their masculinity. Yeah. I mean, the problems for boys and young men are, are huge. I, I mean, first off, Boys are not doing as well as girls in K through 12. I mean, there have been some studies that suggest that some of this is teacher bias. Um, You know, when they do blind studies of the same work, boys come out a little better. But the fact of the matter still is, I mean, women, you know, are like 58% of, of kids in college right now or graduating from college. When I've taught classes, you see about 70% of women in in my class. And, um, you know, they're kind of the bright, bushy-eyed ones in the front rows where a lot of the guys seem to have checked out or feel like they don't have a place in the class, which was not the kind of world I grew up in. And... um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, you look at yeah. look at millennial men. Um, the, the number of millennial, a percentage of millennial men not working, and this is not the unemployment rate. This is the labor force participation rate, which I think is a better measure of who's working and who's not. About 30% right. of young men are not working. And this is far lower than any prior generation of young men and lower than, you know, somewhat older men, middle-aged men. And and I think, and I think, and I, and I want to, I do want to welcome our other special guests and I'm going to keep you on the line, Dr. Yarrow. I do want to get into a lot of conversation, but what I, what I do want to mention is that, you know, you brought up a good point, you know, the, the, and I want to mention this part, the sexism goes both ways. You know, women these days are always claiming men of sexism and all of these different things, but a lot of times it's the woman uh, that is just as guilty, and it's a hypocritical statement because just like Valerie said, they want their cake and they want to eat it too, and, you know, it's like it's it's like the anti-male movement. Like there's no happy medium. There's no in-between. There's dominating the male species, and we all know that's, you know, the, the, today's feminist um, movement uh, objective. They want to they want to be superior. They want to overcome. They they want to over you know overtake the male the males and be the boss. I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, the ones that wear their pussy hats and march in the street. I mean, those ones. You know, these these women are not. Um, logically sane in the brain. I mean, there, there is something really wrong there. Um, Josh, your thoughts. Yeah. You know, doctor, I had a, I had a question real quick. I appreciate you coming on. Sure. Uh, you know, you were talking about um, male to female relations and how, you know, relationships and how they're kind of dwindling uh, in, you know, in the past, maybe 20 years, maybe even more than that. 
I, I was kind of curious what effect you thought that pornography had on that uh, angle. Good question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question because, um, I mean, pornography and a lot of things online have really not helped. Um, You know, porn is extremely pervasive. You know, a lot of guys, you know, just become addicted to it, you know, which is not at all good for relationships or wives are hardly happy with this. You know, then there are these problems with sexting and revenge porn, you know, which is really awful, you know, sending nude pictures of your ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, you know, out onto the Internet. And, you know, there's the Internet allows a lot of hate speech. You know, people can be anonymous and say whatever they want. And there's a lot of hate on you know, for both genders, uh, men toward women and women toward men. And, it's, and how, about um, all these pe- how about all these people that are watching these porn videos and actually acting it out, actually committing rape, actually committing all these different things? You know, a lot, I will say this. Too many times, and, I, and we, we've seen this, men are falsely accused. Um, and I'll give you an example. I want to give you an example of this. There are examples of everybody knows what BDSM is. Everybody knows what bondage is. That all the all the different fetishes out today, and people watch these videos and they get all these different ideas. Um, you have these women, especially you know we've had we had a um, a call a, a, a ter- an attorney from California on the show a few weeks ago, and she was mentioning how uh, she does a lot of work on college campuses with people that are falsely accused and people that uh, deal with these sort of ins- like the male and female back and forth when they're, when they're dealing, when they're going through these situations and she interferes and, and go and is, goes along um, and kind of monitors the whole investigation and stuff like that. And there's some, cra- she, she told us some interesting stories, but, but with that thing, uh, such a trend these days, the BDSM, a woman could have sex with a guy, you know, they could have their rough sex, and then she could be mad at the guy and go say, oh, he raped me. He, you know, he forced himself on me because she has marks, you know, because she could have marks on her, all these different things. So you, and then, th- that's one example. But then you have the violent sexual predators who actually are, watch pornography 24 hours a day, and then they go out and are serial rapists or are absolute lunatics. So you, you've got all these wide scenarios and categories of different things that, can occur and can go on, um, and all these, you know, it just fills people's heads with ideas. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Rory. I mean, there there are a lot of uh, pretty bad men out there Variable, who do yeah. kind of act out <laughs> some of the worst that's in pornography, that's in popular culture. But, you know, the other side of that, I mean, I have a 21-year-old son who's in college, and, you know, he feels afraid of, you know, all sorts of little actions that one t- or I took for granted a generation ago, you know, like yeah. asking a woman out, you know, putting your hand, uh, you know, trying to take a woman or girl's hand. You know, even right. even in classrooms, there's so much political right. correctness that speech is really shut down, or a lot of speech. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, no, I hear you. I, I do want to welcome, stay on the line, Dr. Yarrow. I do want to welcome our next uh, c- couple special guests. Um, I do have on the line right now, um, for, first off, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, LiveZet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Rory. Uh, I was listening. It's a very interesting conversation. Uh, you know, I particularly uh, noted when uh, Peter was talking about the uh, women and men in, in college, and he's right. Uh, colleges are about 60% female now and about 40% yeah. male, and the females are You're highly motivated. Yeah. The females yeah. are highly motivated, and the, the males don't seem to quite have the motivation they used to have. So, so uh, D- Dr. Bussler, at your university, how dominant is the yeah. female species compared to the male? Like, what is the percentage? Uh, we're just about at the national average. We're at a 60-42, uh, 60 female, 40% male. I've had some, some classes, uh, you know, out of uh, 20 students, uh, 17 or 18 are female. Oh, Jesus, wow. Uh, and I'll tell you, the, the, the – the, the girls, the females today are highly motivated, um, and they're, uh, you know, they're not going to take no for an answer. You know, they're ready to go out there and uh, tackle the business. I teach business courses, so they're ready to go out there and, you know, ta- tackle the business world. And they fully expect to have um, equal opportunity, um, and they expect that in their career that they'll get just as far as any man would, would get. Uh, so they truly view themselves as, as equals, um, and they're yeah. ready to take on the business world. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've seen data in um, that in big cities in America now, women under 30 actually out-earn men under 30. I mean, that changes yeah. later in life, but it's it's kind of unprecedented. I mean, not that it's bad that women are making more money, but... You know, the fact that men have fallen And you don't see the feminists mentioning that ever. You never, you always see them talking about inequality. You don't see them mentioning anything about that, which is sickening. Yeah, I mean, the gender wage gap is a very slippery concept. You know, they talk about 79 cents to the dollar. But if you actually compare like jobs to other like jobs, it's, much closer to about 95 cents to a dollar. And then when you look at, you know, this younger generation, it, you know, for better or worse, women are earning more. And as uh, you said, Dr. uh, Bussler, um, the uh, women are more motivated uh, to succeed. And, you know, it gets to why are boys having these problems? Yeah, um, from my standpoint, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, it, it's just uh, the the boys, the males, for the most part, just don't seem to have uh, the the kind of hunger for knowledge that they they used to have. And the females, on the other hand, are extremely hungry. Um, uh, you know, I don't know uh, what's caused it uh, over time, um, but it's. Uh, the way it is, um, you know, and they talk about, well, w- women, uh, they're paid less and they don't have opportunity today. And um, I think all that is uh, going to change. 
Because you, you figure sixty percent of the workforce is going to be female, and only forty percent male. You know, eventually the the uh, women will be in um, upper level management positions, and uh, you know they'll be able to set the the way the business is handled, and um, they'll end up with equal opportunity, and they'll end up uh, going as far as they want as they believe they can go. Um, I, yeah. I wanted to say something real quick. Yeah, um, I think yeah go ahead, Valerie, and then women are so Valerie, real, women are so strong. Yeah, is that you know the 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 media like I grew up with Cinderella, and the girls now are growing up with Mulan. You know Mulan right. is the story where the women you know, the woman dresses up as a man and then you know conquers the, <laughs> the conquers the world so to speak. And the woman when I'm growing up you know she's waiting for the handsome prince to come save her, and right. I think it's just the media and the entertainment industry is really. Um, changed the 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 way that a girl would look at herself as she grows up, and on the other side, you know, there's not the boys are watching the same movies. You know, they're watching Mulan and saying, "Oh, well, you know, I'm getting crushed by this woman." You know, boys are not are not as strong and masculine and and um, and assertive as they used to be. And also, I wanted to mention that you know, my my boys. The girls now are so aggressive um, towards boys, which, you yes. know, we used to have to wait until someone asked us out. But now the girls are asking the boys out, and the girls are chasing after them. And so it's just everything is turned up on its head, and I, I just hope that it's the next generation, you know, we can kind of even it out so that everybody feels like they're important. Yeah, definitely. And the whole piece of chasing after guys, I mean, really does a number because as as Rory said, as you know, millions of people have said now in in recent months in the news, you know, a woman may uh, make a pass at a guy, something may go wrong and the guy gets accused. So, you know, what's a guy going to do dating? I mean, obviously some relationships work out very well, but it, I think it's a lot harder for young men. Right. I uh, I do want to I, I want to I want I want everybody to stay on the line. Uh, first of all, Josh, I want to get your thoughts, and I'm going to introduce our next guest. But everybody, please stay on the line. We got really good stuff to talk about. Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, just real quick before you introduce this next guest, you know, I'm a I'm a 20 year old uh, male in college right now, and I will say it is a little strange being, you know, I I just happen to be a motivated um, male, but out of our class is probably about 55% women and 50% men. It, you know, the, the, the guys are very quiet. They're not, you know, being very aggressive with answering questions. You know, they basically just sit there and let the whole class roll over. And it's me and the rest of the ladies, you know, participating in the class, you know, and getting all the good grades, which is, you know, which, which bothers me, you know, in a, in a sense of, you know, what hap- what's happening. But I mean, you know, for me, being someone who is motivated, I, you know, I personally see it as, hey, well, less motivated people, more room in the world for me. But obviously, in the grand scheme of things, that's not good for, you know, the, the world or the country. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, well, well said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, do, I do want to welcome our, our next special guest, though. Um, former military service member, political activist, uh, and strategist and director of the Title X Equity Project at SAVE, 
which stands for Stop Abusive and Violent Environment. Trent uh, Cromarty, is that is that how I pronounce your last name? Yes, sir. That's perfect. Thank you. Excellent. Well, well, sir. First and foremost, um, thank you for your service. Um, tr- truly, truly an honor. Um, and it is your first time on the show. Um, I know you have a lot of good stuff going on. I actually uh, read your story a little bit. I, I get found it, you know, fascinating. Um, and you know how you know. In, in so many ways, including the way it resonates with so many different people that go through, you know, what you went through. And, and for people that don't know, um, you know, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. And then um, you, you have you have the what the, the, the company you're working with right now, which is, um, you know, preventing uh, stuff like this from happening in the future to innocent individuals. Sure, I'll just, I'll just address uh, how I ended up at, with SAVE. So as a cadet at West Point in July 2011, yeah. that was going into my, my sophomore year, we were all at field yeah. training at Camp Buckner, which is right outside West Point. We had just gotten back from a field training exercise that was multi-day, pretty, rig- pretty rigorous. Um, it was uncharacteristically hot, uncharacteristically hot that summer. So we were, we were pretty dehydrated. We were sleep-deprived. We were hungry, and... My company, my cadet company commander came out to me and said, hey, Cromartie, I need you to come down to the command Humvee. I need you to do a detail. And uh, detail is essentially just manual labor. So I go down there, and he says, actually, we're going to the military police station. And we go to the military police station. I get frisked. I get put in an interrogation room. And I'm sitting there for a good 10, 15 minutes without anyone telling me what's happening. Eventually, a criminal investigation division probationary agent comes in and informs me that I'm being accused of sexual assault from an alleged incident that occurred six months prior. So we go through a five-hour interrogation after I had just gotten out of the field, which in my mind, I can't help but think that's intentional, the timing. But eventually I, I, go, I, I get done with the interrogation. I go through essentially a two-year investigation, which culminates in a general court-martial where I'm facing essentially life in prison. So I'm found innocent of all the sexual charges. Um, they bootstrapped me with a false official statement from my initial statement because I corrected a single detail. So going into my senior year, I find out that the superintendent has decided to kick me out of the academy, even though the misconduct officer recommended that I be retained without further punishment. So from there, I, I started to try and figure out my life, and I finished my undergraduate at a school around Philadelphia, and then went to law school at the University of Denver, graduated in May of this year, just passed the bar exam in July, and started working with SAVE as a director to help rehabilitate and reform Title IX so that these injustices don't occur everywhere else. Right. Man, God bless you, man. God bless you. Uh, Was that you, Dr. Yarrow? You were about to say something? Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like great work that you're doing, Trent, and you know, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, when incidents of intimate partner violence occur, you know, the police are called virtually all the time, no matter who is at fault, it's the guy who's taken away. And, you know, there's some interesting data out there, the Centers for Disease Control, the Department of Justice, that if you look at intimate partner violence, whether, you know, married people, uh, cohabiting, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, short of the worst crimes or worst violence like murder and rape, 
there's near parity between men and women as victims. You know, when, when people hit someone, when people punch someone, when people, you know, throw an object at, at someone, uh, women are likely to do this almost as much as men. And that's a fact that isn't really talked about much, and that data point is not really brought out very much. And law enforcement doesn't doesn't act on it. Right. I mean, the, the unfortunate sure. thing is my case isn't unique at all. It's, unfortunately, it's happening all the time across civilian campuses in the military. These cases are pretty regular um, at this time in our society. So you're finding yeah, a lot it, of that in the military. It's scary. It's scary stuff. And and Trent, you know. You know, I want to I want to get your thoughts, Doctor Butler, as well. But Trent, you know, just you know, after um, you know, watching the Kavanaugh hearings and watching all of this different stuff, you know, unfold, especially how it's been so um, it's been so massive to to like a, such a high extreme. I, I think like we haven't seen it in a long time, if ever with the feminism movement since Donald Trump became president and how they have, you know, I mean, feminism, let's face it. I mean, you know, it's been there for a long time, but old school feminism is not the same as new school feminism. And the new school feminism is so hateful, ignorant, you know, we know their motto. They want to be superior. They want to be anti-male. And the fact that, you know, we saw with the Me Too how when that thing came out, there were certain people that also came out with accusations just because it was trendy, but they were proven to be false. So we have people that were lying because it was the, it was like a trend. It was the thing to do, which is disgusting. I mean, what our society has evolved into in, in this sort of category with, with the – and with the fact that due process – is at risk right now. We're basically the, the feminists are creating mottos that are saying believe women, just believe them automatically. Even though nearly about forty percent of them, nearly forty percent, make false accusations every year, we should just believe them. Oh my God! I mean, there's so much ignorance. This has to drive you nuts, Trent. So I think I think that I think you're right on the due process. So my, what I find most troubling is that there really, like you said, there is no due process currently. It's a really one-sided system, and I think this all started with the 2011 Dear Colleague letter. That was really the catalyst that set this all in motion. So you have these Title IX hearings where the accused are literally afforded no rights. They can't cross-examine. They can't be represented by counsel. They can't present evidence, witnesses, and those, those same rights are, are provided to the, the alleged victim. And so you have these yeah. accused individuals who are getting kicked out or suspended from the schools with literally a he said, she said case. There's no corroborative evidence, but because the schools are so afraid of censure from the OCR, that's Office of Civil Rights, they act on it. And at this moment in our society, an allegation can really destroy you. It's just, it's unfortunate and it's kind of just the climate right now in our society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, it is. It's it sad. Sadly, it is. And, you know, it, it's such excuse me, it's such a sense of entitlement that it, it's, it's, it's disgusting and it, and it's, it's beyond disgraceful. Um, Dr. Bustle, your thoughts. 
you know, it, it must be very difficult, I think, for uh, young men today. Um, I, I know there's, uh, you, you know, I look back at, at uh, some of the things I did. You know, you're, 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 you're friendly with girls and, uh, you know, you go to parties and you, you sort of hug and touch each other a little bit. And, you know, it's all, oh, everything's okay. But I'm wondering at, at some point is somebody going to say, hey, you know, uh, 40 years ago when, when you were in high school, uh, you touched me inappropriately. Um, <laughs> You know, it's a difficult thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm I, only I laughing. You. I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing because I know that can happen. I'm only <laughs> laughing because it's so ridiculous. You know, Doctor Butler. It it is. It is certainly ridiculous. You know, even even today, uh, since this whole thing started, I, I'm a little careful about what I say to my women friends. I mean, if I just make a comment like, uh, "Wow, that's uh, you, you look very nice today." Um, or, or uh, that's a very attractive dress that you have on. Um, are they going to say I'm sexually harassing them? You know, I'm thinking Christmas is coming up. You know, Christmas is coming up. You have Christmas. There's mistletoe. You, you know, and there's times when you, somebody's walking by and you just sort of hug them. By the mist- Am I going to get accused of some sexual harassment for that? Yeah. I know. I know. Exactly. I mean, it's so true. Yeah, I, um, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous think, about uh, what I can say. And, um, you know, I come from a family that everybody always hugs everybody hello and things. Um, I, I'm a little nervous about hugging some of my friends that I've, you know, I've hugged for years. <laughs> I mean, who knows what someone's going to say at some point. Yeah. I think, I think another issue is that we, we as a society really need to temper our outrage you know, sexual assault isn't something that was dealt with adequately in the past, but now it seems that the pendulum has swung way to the other side, and now it's become this time where we have to get convictions, we have to find the accused guilty of these these crimes, but we really need to temper those those that outrage. This is obviously a very sensitive issue, a lot of high emotions on both sides. No, no one wins in these cases unless it's a false accusation and the false accuser wins. That's the only person who benefits. But we really need to get back to the core roots of the, the justice system and maintain due process rights for every single party involved. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. You just need your due process rights maintained in these because there's a lot at stake. People's lives are being ruined based off of baseless accusations. And, and Trent, what kind, what kind of – and you're absolutely right, Trent. Uh, was, was, wait, was, did somebody want to respond? I, I didn't want to uh, – Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying – you know, even if somebody's exonerated later, you know, it's the accusation that sticks right. in people's minds. Right. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. It's like the media. Once somebody hears something on the media or reads something, if you start talking about it enough, people start believing it, whether it's true or not. But, but Trent, going back to what you said, uh, going, going back to your, your story and everything – um, people, you know, that you're working with right now, like innocent victims, what, you know, are you dealing and, and, you know, interacting with people that have gone through, you know, these similar situations that you went through? Absolutely. I mean, not only through my organization, but also people have seen my, my article from West Point and they, they contact my family and they say, hey, I, I'm currently going through this situation, very similar to yours, what do you think of this? They, they kind of pick my brain. So I can, you know, I'm, I'm in contact with a few cadets right now who are going through a situation very similar to mine, and they're getting strung out by the, the academies, and it's, it's super unfortunate, but 
you know, the political pressure top down to the academies is just causing this situation. Obviously, Title IX is an issue as well, but there's really nothing these cadets can do at this point. They, the, the military can do essentially what they want with them. So, yeah, and also, like I said, with my work through SAVE, we get people contacting us on a regular basis saying, hey, this is how my school wronged me. They kicked me out for no reason. I didn't even have a trial. And we just have to try and fight for their rights as best as we can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll say, Jesus. So, I mean, it's, you know, with that scenario, um, you know, uh, have you, you know, how long have you been with this organization for? I actually just started in September, so I've been working with them for a few months now. Yeah, I mean, you see all the innocent people that are in prison. You see all the um, innocent people that get locked up that, you know, I mean, it's, it's scary stuff. It's not right. something well, that is. Go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. I was just going to say the courts are starting to wise up that Title IX is a broken system. I mean, you look at, for example, affirmative consent is the ongoing obligation for someone who initiates sexual contact to, to gain consent. And the law schools took that concept and broadened the definition and they ran with it. They didn't consider any right. of the circumstances surrounding the relationship, whether it was long term or short term, short term. So, for example, Brandeis University had a lawsuit filed against them because a gay couple, one of the, one of the partners, woke up and kissed his, his partner on the mouth. It turns out they break up a few months later, and the partner comes back and says, yeah, he sexually assaulted me by kissing me good morning on the mouth. The school found him guilty of sexual misconduct because of that, because it wasn't affirmative consent. He didn't gain consent to kiss him on, on the mouth when he was sleeping. And so a judge saw that in federal court and said, no, 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 you, you can't do that. That's, that's way too broad of a, a definition. He needs due process, and he ruled against the, ruled against the school. But that's, that's just one example. Obviously, the Duke lacrosse case is a prime example of what happens if due process is eroded. You know, what, you know what's fascinating is there was an article um, out on Breitbart, which is a very conservative outlet, and it was out on many other mainstream media outlets as well. This was the other day. Um, I believe it was Drake University, if I'm not mistaken. A, um, a woman admitted to sexually assaulting a, ma- the, a male student. So a female student admitted, admitted to sexually assaulting a male student, but the male student got expelled. The, uh, hear that again. The female admitted to sexually assaulting the male student, but the male student got expelled. Right. I think there's also a lawsuit going on where he's suing because they didn't investigate her. Right, right. Well, well, no, she admitted. What school is this? No, this is Drake University. No, no, no. You, you guys got to hear this. I don't think you guys heard me correctly. I went to, that, this is Drake. I went to Drake University. In Iowa? Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, this yeah, is I was, Drake I was University. Yeah, I president. Real, real quick, you guys yeah. really got to hear this again. I'm listening. So this woman, this, this, this girl admits, this female student admits to sexually assaulting this male student. So she assaulted him, and he gets expelled. He did nothing. She assaulted him, but I I think this is a a liberal uh, sort of evil trend that I think maybe these schools are controlled in a sense. Because no, if a woman confesses to sexually assaulting a man... That should be the same exact thing as if a man confesses to it. I mean, there's no difference. And the guy gets expelled because the girl 
admits that she did it to him? I mean, what 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 is going on? I'm gonna look into that. Drake, I'm not even kidding. Bride Bar, Drake University. I think this was from Saturday. But Trent, I mean, this stuff is this is this is a terrible epidemic. Josh, go ahead. I know you have thoughts. Yeah, you know, like I said, being a 20-year-old male, it is it is a weird world that I, you know, live in, you know, attending school um, with this climate going on right now. And to the extent of, you know, personal situations with me, not with any sexual abuse, but there was a girl who I had said something to that made her unhappy. And she, had, she was telling a bunch of people around the school that she was going to report me for bullying and get kicked me out of the school. And I, I basically had two options. I had, well, if I, go, if I go to the school first and say this is something that's potentially happening, then my reputation is going to be in trouble because of that. Or, um, you know, because then she's going to get mad and who knows what else she'll tell. Or I have to basically go bend over and apologize to this woman, even though I've done nothing wrong. You know, it was just a misunderstanding from the beginning. And I, I, I took the apology route because, I mean, that was the, the less – fireworks route but I mean these are situations that I just you know as a 20 year old male in this current climate I just have to deal with like that so I think there are a couple things we we need to do to address I don't want to say deter false accusations for for one we need to disincentivize making an accusation a lot of these schools have these great benefits that complainants get when they make a simple accusation they get academic privileges they, a lot of schools have their amnesty provisions, so if they're, if they're drinking or doing illegal drugs during the incident, they're completely looked, looked over, whereas the respondent will be found guilty of such, such violations. And another thing is we really need to hold false accusers accountable. We need to start imposing sanctions. We need to use they, a clear and convincing standard. Get, you know, to, in my strong opinion, false accusers should get the same sentence as the the person that you know commit if they would have committed the act. You know what I mean? The same as the rapist. If you know, it's the same sort of thing. Well, if you, I mean, if you take a look at the National Registry for Exonerations, they had I think almost twenty three hundred exonerations, and of those exonerations, almost thirteen hundred had an element of perjury or false accusation in it which is just a, a staggering amount. And you look at the sexual assault cases, those individuals were in, in jail for at least 20-plus years. They lost a, a vast majority of their life. So I think, I think the sanctions do need to be very serious if people do actually falsely accuse. And courts are starting to come around. They're starting to impose, you know, year-long sentences, two years, whatever, but they definitely need to be present. Yeah, we saw, yeah. like, for instance, we saw that, ger- that um, the recent uh, – situation with that female college student who accused those uh, sports players of rape and then she right. admits she yeah. got caught in a lie and she said she was lying and then she got sentenced but um, Josh you were saying something go ahead sorry no no that, that, that was Valerie I think oh, okay no I was just saying I think that was Duke and I thought it was horrible yeah. because yeah, boys, you yeah. know, their lives and their reputations were destroyed yeah yeah, yeah, it's 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 a scary it's a scary time to be a to be a male, and you know when Trump said that last week, the left, um, you know, ridiculed him for it and basically 
basically said, you sound so sexist and so hateful and so ignorant when you say something like that. But in reality, Trump is absolutely right. You know, obviously we know what the left does in a lot of these situations. They say, you know, I mean, they, they were with Dr. Ford the entire time, even though her story did not add up. She couldn't remember where, you know, when it happened. She couldn't remember all. I mean, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't. There's all of these things. I hate the biased media. I hate media that is so dishonest. But but going back to being – it's a scary time to be a male. Trump is absolutely right. You see all these males getting falsely accused. I mean, it is. This is this is more – I mean, it's way more scarier and threatening than any female has to worry about right now. I mean, females – think they have to worry and their their lives are at stake and and you know you know, they say female rights i'm like you live in america what right don't you have do you want an abortion go pay for it your goddamn self i mean there's all these things that they they whine and bitch about i'm just tired of it and, and it's mostly people on the left these feminists and they, it's just sickening but i'm um, trying go ahead sorry oh i was just going to say going back to the bias I yeah. think we're setting our we're setting our students, our young people, up for failure in the in the first place when these in this, these investigations are initiated. I mean, right on the out, the outset of the investigation, we label the complainants as victims. So logically, if you, yeah. if you have that mindset, there has to be an offender, and guess who that is? The respondent. And courts right. have found that you know what, you cannot label this individual in a victim until there is a finding of guilt. You have to have an assignment of guilt, and then they are a victim. Mm-hmm. But we we tend to have that propensity to just say. That's a victim. She made an accusation. He he made an accusation. Excuse me, accusation. They're a victim. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it's like it's scary because at the same time, I understand there's people out there that don't get justice for you know there are sexual assault survivors. There are people that never get. Um, you know, uh, judgment day on their on their attacker, or their attacker never goes to jail. But at the same time, you know, you have all of these situations that are so hard to prove. You have you have these situations. It's like he said, she said. I mean, it's like how how do you thoroughly conduct? I mean, I know there's rape kit. Obviously, that's a thing. But there's also you know, ways that, you know, stuff, stuff doesn't always, I mean, I don't know. I mean, so I've heard stuff doesn't always come up in, in rape kits. And there's people that don't even go to the police or go to the medics until days and weeks later. I mean, there's all these different variables. I mean, it's crazy. I, what are your thoughts, Trent? So I think, I, I, I think sexual assault is no doubt very, very serious issue we need to address and yeah. alleged victims victims whatever when they come forward they need to be protected but at the same time yeah. you need to protect the accused as well e- equally just because right i mean i've heard i've heard from victim advocates say oh well you know false accusations aren't as, as serious of an issue as rape okay so does that mean we sacrifice the sacrifice innocent people because of that right. i don't I, I just don't think that i don't think that's the case i think we have to maintain due process standards for everyone and fairness for everyone. These investigations need to be fair and impartial. And trust me, regardless if there's a finding of guilt or not, the accused is not going to come out as unscathed. I mean, I, I felt depression and suicidal ideations for years after my, my investigation. So it's no one's going to win out of these. But we, 
our, our justice system isn't perfect, but if we eliminate due process, then we're lost, and that's what's happening right now. And if you look at if you look at what um, you know, the, the, the scary thing is, what is the solution? Do we carry cameras everywhere we go? Do we film everything? Is that the future? Is that the future to you know to having to to proving that we're innocent? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that that's what it could happen if it if this shit keeps getting out of control. Men may have to start carrying video cameras just to prove uh, just, just to prove a point that and if these women are telling the truth. Uh, you know, there has to be something. What do we do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think bringing awareness to these issues and the fact that, as Trent said, you know, some courts are starting to recognize that there needs to be due process and just keep pushing on those issues is very important. But, you know, yeah. the other piece is, you know, men have to be overly careful these days, mm -hmm. which is not yeah. a great thing. I mean, they're afraid, right. but on the other right. hand, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where you're going to be accused. And it's always hard. the he said. It's always the he said, she said, though. Regardless, at the end of the day, when you're when those juries are sitting on their thoughts. You know, obviously we got prosecutors and defense attorneys that provide whatever evidence or whatever case and argument they may have. But at the end of the day, you know, let's face it, without sufficient evidence, it's he said, she said. Dr. Bussler, go ahead. You know, it's uh, the, the whole situation here has really gotten turned around. Sometimes things like this uh, tend to go from one extreme to the other until you end up back in the middle. So for for years, um, any uh, of this sexual assault or mis, uh, misbehavior or uh, stronger by men um, just went, um, there, there was no, nothing women could do about it. They just sort of accepted it. Um, and now the pendulum has swung all the way to the other side that uh, women seem to be in control here. No matter what happens, they seem to have a good case. And as we've just said, uh, it's overdone. Uh, you know, so maybe it swung from one side to the other, and maybe we'll settle somewhere in the middle where, I mean, uh, we certainly can't go on at an extreme end like this, where every uh, uh, woman who has any complaint at all is to be believed, and uh, it's always the man that's wrong. And as, uh, as we just said here, even if he's found uh, not guilty. The stain on his life is so tough that uh, it's a huge, a huge price to pay. Um, you just hope this kind of stuff finally gets resolved, and we end up somewhere in the middle that that makes uh, a whole lot of sense. And the slap in the face, I'll tell you, to the to the victims that actually go through sexual assault and you know don't ever get their justice, and then you, because of people that make that fake accusations. I mean, it's so terrible how, you know, the amount of fake accusations that go out these days, uh, you know, interfere with, um, you know, somebody that actually did get assaulted. And, you know, it, you know, like it's all about being taken seriously. I mean, it's such a complicated uh, subject and thing to investigate, I'll tell you. I totally agree. Yeah, I, you think, know, I think the biggest – sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, um, we, we mentioned a few minutes ago about the uh, Duke lacrosse team um, yeah. and the, the false accusation against them. You know, um, take a look at, at uh, college athletes. Um, to become a college athlete, you really have had to make a whole lot of sacrifices going all the way through. And here you are at the point um, you're at the top of uh, college sports. You could have played for a national championship and you right. essentially worked your whole life for that. And because of yeah. this, they weren't allowed to play and it's lost forever. So um, yeah, I mean, that's and, just and one Fox instance was, of, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because that, because you're absolutely right. And we've seen so many examples of that, like big sports stars that, it ended their careers and had to go to prison. Uh, there were a few examples of latest stories I've read about uh, they they could have been made millions of dollars because they were a superstar, but false accusations held them back. Yeah, yeah. This I mean, is lives, um, this lives is are ruined. Oh, oh. no, go ahead. I'm... No, no, your your turn. <laughs> Let me call last five. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just just saying in a sense the obvious i mean lives are ruined i mean you can't get back a reputation and you see um you know all these prominent people who've been accused and many of them probably were pretty awful the harvey weinsteins the matt lowers but you know there are others Uh, i don't want to mention names but you know i I kind of wonder if they really yeah. did anything so terrible, but yet, you know, they vanished from public mind. It's almost like Stalin's airbrushing people out of the picture. Yeah, I mean, this is scary stuff. Josh, your thoughts, and then I want to go to Trent. Yeah, well, actually, I had a, I had a question for Trent real quick. I, I was curious, and I think you would probably know this if this is the case, uh, how many times are men accusing either other men or women of, you know, sexual misconduct type deals like we're talking about here, or is it primarily female to male? Um, hard to say. I honestly don't have a solid statistic on that. It's it's really difficult to say, especially if, if you mix in, you know, false accusations. That's just a really unreliable statistic. So I, I don't think I have a solid stat for you on that one. I apologize. No worries, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I did mention that number earlier, which isn't exactly sexual assault, but it's part intimate partner violence. And these surveys by the CDC, you know, find mm-hmm. that in any given year, maybe about 5.2% of women are victims of uh, domestic violence, but about 5% of men are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's something that's uh, how bad is is the sorry <laughs> have a bad cough how bad is the domestic violence situation compared to the um, sexual assault rate? Do you have that information, Doctor Yarrow? Well, I mean it's it's hard to quantify, but um, you know, as I say, in a given year, the numbers are pretty equal. There's some data out on lifetime surveys. Women are somewhat more likely to be the victims of domestic violence. 
but they're certainly not always the victims. I mean, it's evidence that 35 to 40 percent of the uh, of all the victims in a lifetime are men, and you know, a lot of men are afraid to report this because it seems unmasculine. Seems like you know, I got beat up by a girl, a woman. Right. Right. Um, Trent, I want to go back to you for a second uh, before I let you go, Trent. Um, but Trent, I, I do have, I do, you know, your story is fascinating. I will tell you that. And, you know, the, what you're working on in the future to prevent this sort of thing. I mean, what, what are you, you know, from, you know, preventing innocent victims, you know, from going through this? I mean, what, what is the company you're working with? I mean, are you guys, you know, constantly coming up with different, um, you know, strategies and different things that uh, people can utilize. Uh, for instance, if they're, you know, falsely accused to uh, presume their innocence, um, you know, are you working with different court systems, legislation, uh, you know, different groups putting putting forth some sort of uh, thing, like stuff together that would kind of, um, kind of, you know, uh, speed the process up a little bit, maybe make right. make things, yeah. Right, yeah. Our organiza- organization is very active. We appear in Congress quite frequently. I think I've been there a few times, and we really just try to push for legislative reform. We have state monitors across the U.S. Anytime we, we spot negative legislation regarding Title IX, we're on it. You know, right. we try to lobby and get it pushed back or at least reel them in a little bit. Um, where I think we're rolling out a project where we're going to start helping out, you know, students who have been wrongfully convicted of these these Title IX investigations. So we're doing we're doing yeah. a lot of great work. Our, our website, SaveServices.org, provides a wealth of resources. We we yeah. publish r- reports periodically that give you great secondary and tertiary resources. Um, yeah. Whether you're falsely accused of domestic violence, se- sexual assault, child abuse, the entire website's great. Um, so, yeah, we're doing a lot of great work. But just to go back to your point about, you know, the victims being harmed by this, I just wanted to piggyback on that and say that that's the true atrocity in these false accusation situations is that these false accusers are, are essentially taking the pain and suffering of another individual who legitimately suffered that. I, I mean, I can't think of anything more more personally invading than someone physically attacking your body. And they're basically taking that and using it to their own advantage, which is horrible. So I think – you're right. The victims are the ones who are the true, truly harmed by these, these this legislation, these false accusations. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And Trent, um, you know, I I really want to thank you for coming on and uh, you know discussing this. And you know, the whole you know we need to really uh, push this and and really make sure that you know both genders are treated fairly and that due process always is a must. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, either, either hand over the sufficient evidence uh, if, if you are accusing someone or there's, I mean, there really is no case. I mean, how the hell is anybody, anybody supposed to, to go off of he said, she said, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing is to get, get involved. Everyone who's listening needs to get involved talk to their, their politicians and say, hey, this is an issue we're having. I'd like to have it addressed. Due process rights for all parties involved. 
really need to raise the, the standard of proof because preponderance of evidence is 50.01%, I think, and people's lives are being ruined based on this lo- the lowest standard of evidence. So I would say the society as a whole just needs to get more involved and get this legislation fixed. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, Trent, I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, I want to, before Trent goes, anybody have any final questions for Trent? Yeah, Rory, if you don't mind, real quick, Josh here. Uh, less of a question, yeah, more ahead. of a statement, Trent. I just wanted, just want to let you know, if you're ever in Ohio working on anything with Title IX, uh, I have a little bit of lobbying experience uh, down there as well as in D.C., so I'd be more than more than happy to, to tag along and help in any way I could. Awesome. Really appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll have to exchange information. Yeah, I'll send you over his info. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And Trent, uh, it's been a pleasure. Dr. Yarrow, uh, Dr. Butler, any final questions for Trent? Uh, no, um, I'm good. Um, I do have to say, Rory, I'm going to have to sign off, too. As you know, I'm on the East Coast here. It's uh, uh, approaching midnight. Hey, Dr. Butler, I've got a busy day tomorrow. Five minutes. I do have a few economic questions for you. All right, real quick, though. I'm getting tired and I have a big day tomorrow. All righty. Um, Trent Cromarty, uh, please promote your website real quick before you go. Yeah, it's saveservices.org. Uh, great website. I encourage anyone who's going through these situations, domestic violence, sexual assault, child abuse, to check that out and uh, get involved. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us, and we'll be in touch with you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Trent. Um, have a great night, man, and we'll have you back soon. Take care. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Cheers. Bye. So, so Dr. Bustler, let, let, let's, get into, yeah. let's get into this real quick. So I right. have – I got into some numbers today, and I read a report, which is absolutely insane. Mexican cartels are making $2.5 billion, with a B, per year on human smuggling. How disgusting is that? And this is what we're dealing with the caravan situation. Yeah. We don't even know who these people are. And, you know, you could bet about a quarter or, le- or you know, a good amount of them, I would say, you know, are sm- smuggling. I mean, there's, you know, and for anybody to say, oh, how ignorant for anyone to make any sort of generalization, you know, no, it's not. We don't know who these people are. And, you know, these people right. could be anyone. I mean, I get there's some good, there's good ones and, you know, there's ones with good hearts, but there's also a lot of crazy ones. But go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, it, it looks to me like the majority are truly uh, people that uh, are living in horrible conditions and just want to get out. Yeah. But there are so right. many of them yeah. that now is the time that these bad people can infiltrate, even if there's only a couple of hundred bad people right. out of all these thousands, that's still a couple of hundred you can't let into the country. And Getting the other issue yeah. is, Yep. If you let if these people come in, you know, next month you're going to get another ten thousand, um, and you you just have to stop it. Um, yep. We have laws. We have to get back to recognizing we're a country of laws. We've sort of forgotten yep. that over the last ten ten years, um, and yep. we you know we should have a, an immigration policy. Um, Congress should finally get it together, come up with an yep. immigration policy everybody can live with. Um, secure the borders and let's move forward. 
And, you know, it's it's now, just to let everybody know, it's now 14,000 illegals have now accounted in the caravan coming towards our border. But what scares me is, you know, and, and, and Dr. Bussler, I'm sure you have a lot of theories regarding this. Look at the timing of the caravan. Look at what's happening. Look two weeks before an election. Look at when all these bombs are coming to these. I mean, and they already de- they already put out a report a couple hours ago saying majority of the thing the bombs uh, they've already ex- inspected and looked at were never even going to blow up. So it was more of a scare. Um, but you know, you look at all the places the bombs were going, people that hated Trump, people that were anti-Trump, but. I I predict I you know said earlier in the show and talked about how this was a distraction and a deflection from the massive caravan blowing you know coming to our border because people were waking up and not falling for uh, the Democratic playbook so they tried something else I mean what what is your thought uh, you know regarding connecting the two Yeah I I don't know um, who exactly is behind the caravan. Uh, there, there could be some leftist type people behind it. And if that's the case, I think this backfired yeah. on them. Um, I think what they expected was all these people to come to the border, figuring there's no way Trump's going to be able to handle them. It'll create a yeah. humanitarian crisis, make Trump yeah. look awful going right yeah. into the election. But I think it's going to backfire. You know, Trump is taking a, a stern position from day right. one. You're not walking into the country, period. And I think the majority of the people uh, back the president's position here. So I think if the Democrats are behind it, they made a uh, a big blunder here. What is your? Do you think? Do you think they're behind it? I mean, there were reports that George Charles was funding it through different groups and you know through uh, different organizations and um, you know they and as well as the Venezuelan, uh, the president from Venezuela was behind it according to Mike Pence I mean what are your thoughts yeah uh, you know it's hard to tell but somebody's putting up a lot of money here um, I, I, yeah. I from the pictures I've seen I mean I see big yeah. tractor trailers taking people yeah. I see um, uh, how are all these people eating and drinking um, I mean somebody's paying <laughs> for all this uh, so yeah, somebody has to be behind thing. it and I'm wondering yeah that, somebody's behind it you look at the picture and it goes all the way down for miles and miles like it doesn't stop. And, yeah. and you know, the, bo- the bomb thing, what, what is your true thoughts on that? Do you think it's odd timing? Do you think the timing is quite weird? Yeah, I, I, you know, we don't have enough information yet. As you say, it just came out that these weren't really bombs. They were just meant to intimidate. Right, um, right. You know there's what I mean. really... Yeah, two theories that could be. It could be um, a Republican who just is so fed up with the Democrats' um, rhetoric that he says, I'm just going to scare the hell out of them. Or um, it could be a Democrat uh, who does this saying, look, I'm going to make it look like that people are going after the uh, other Democrats and there's no real bombs there, so no one's going to get hurt. But they'll blame it on the Republicans and Trump, and, you know, that'll help right. the Democrats during the election. So I'm not sure and what Dr. those Bus- two it is. 
I'm glad you yeah. brought that up because those, those are the exact points I gave before you came on the show in my opening segment. Okay. I mean, those, those are the only two things I could think of. Either they wanted to make the Republicans look bad and they wanted to be portrayed as the victims, the liberals, or there's some crazy, you know, person out there that's a Trump, you know, Trump supporter that lost it and just – but let's face it. I said even myself. Not one person is behind it. There, it's a group of people. There's no doubt about it. And it can't be just one person. If, if it, yeah. you know, if this is real. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, and the the economy, you know, is the best it's ever been. Democrats have nothing to run off of. They're desperate. I just think I just think this is a political stunt. But you know, I, and I don't think that's much of a conspiracy either. I think this is pretty accurate. A lot of people are saying the same thing. Yeah, let me say um, one thing about the uh, um, economy. Tomorrow morning, uh, they're going to release the um, third quarter GDP number. Now, all along in prior shows, that's I was predicting in the fours. I'll tell you, some of the data that came in in the last week or so uh, came in weaker. So I'm not I'm not quite as optimistic we're going to hit that number. Um, But let's see what happens. It'll come out. Uh, tomorrow morning, you know, the, the Federal Reserve has been aggressively raising interest rates. Uh, right. The result of that is people are buying fewer houses. Uh, and new, um, uh, new home sales are down. Existing home sales are down for both for four or five, the last four or five months. Retail sales came in a little bit weak, too, in September. So uh, on the plus side, inventories have been built up. Um, so right. I'm not quite as confident about the four and a half percent number, but let's see what happens. But, but before you go, before you go, I want to ask you about one last thing. Uh, President Sorry. Trump really took the really took the initiative and, and addressed something that really needed to be, uh, you know, uh, put it put um, to light: uh, the lowering of drug prices, which he signed legislation today because these drug and pharmaceutical companies have been ripping us off for so many years. And this isn't a partisan issue. This is a bipartisan issue. This is for everybody. I mean, these pharmaceuticals, I mean, I'm all for capitalism. Don't get me wrong. Pharmaceuticals, um, you know, put us through. There's no doubt about it. Your thoughts on that, though, being an economist. Yeah, let me just say one thing about that. It it is a, I agree with you, it is a disgrace that some of these medications cost tens of thousands of dollars to people who are, could have terminal diseases and illnesses and they need them. So bringing the price of uh, prescription medication down, I think is important. However, uh, you have to consider uh, the drug company's position here. Now here's why drugs are so expensive and why we have to be a little careful. Um, right. On average, of 10 new drugs that a drug company comes up with, only one of them actually gets to market. And to get the one to market costs somewhere in the 600 to $800 million range. Uh, so what happens is they spend all this money on 10 drugs and only one makes it. So the one that makes it has to cover the cost of, the other 10 part of the reason why they're so expensive. So the problem is if we push the price of the drugs that make it down, which morally I think we should, then there's less 
money available to cover the trials of some of the other ones, and you likely to see not as many new drugs come into the market. So you have to be just right. a little bit careful about that. Uh, or uh, work on the FDA approval process so it's not so darn expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know. I absolutely agree with you. Um, and um, I, I uh, Josh, you have any thoughts? Yeah, you know, real quick, just on the, the – you know, that issue, there's a, there's an issue in Ohio right now called issue one that is getting a lot of, uh, a lot of play. It's, it's about basically it's taking all drug felony charges and making them all into misdemeanors and keeping people out of prison. Uh, this is obviously a different type of drug that we were just talking about, but kind yeah, of in the same, yeah. the same realm. But, you know, with, with that type of deal, it's actually getting a lot of uh, pushback from both Republicans and Democrats. Um, you know, it was it was very interesting. I was going to meet the candidates tonight, and both candidates uh, for the congressional district here in Ohio were both against it. Um, you know, for different reasons, but that's pretty much the only thing they agreed on the whole time. What do you think about types of legislation like uh, like issue one or, or you know different issues like it? Um, you have to be careful with this too. Um, so they, they, they want to essentially um, decriminalize uh, having a lot of these drugs illegally. Um, and the reason is that the penalties are so strict on some of these that if somebody uh, just has relatively small amount of something or um, they started uh, because they had a, a bad knee or something, started on some medication and they end up being addicted, um, and they get caught with something, you don't want to ruin their lives as a result of that. The other side of the argument is um, uh, that uh, if you uh, make um, possession of these things uh, and even selling them not a crime anymore, then uh, you may um, not discourage people from doing some of these illegal activities. So they argue you don't want to make this too soft. On the other hand, you don't want to make it too hard that you ruin people's lives. So you need to find sort of somewhere in the middle that, that makes sense. I don't know the details of this specific issue one that Josh just spoke of, but um, you know, here's something where uh, apparently the current legislature in Ohio believes a certain way uh, and the candidates saying, well, we're not quite there. We really should go a little more towards the other way. Uh, so they're trying to find uh, kind of that middle ground, I think, where um, everybody can at least um, feel somewhat satisfied. Right. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's accurate. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Most likely it's not going to it's not going to pass either way just because I don't think the mass, uh, you know, majority of voters in Ohio are ready to vote that way. But uh, the fact that it's even on the ballot does show signs in the right direction, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That certainly yep. makes a lot of sense. Rory, I'm going to, I'm going to have to take off. Thank I got to, uh, it's midnight you, here, you. so I'm going to run. Thank you. for Thanks again thank for having you. me. It's always a pleasure. I'm sure I'll be back next week. Yeah, we'll have you back on next week, and people can find you on uh, your Facebook uh, page. Yeah, the easiest Facebook page is called it's uh, Funding Democracy. 
So uh, Facebook.com forward slash Funding Democracy, or if you're on your face, your own Facebook page in the search block, just put Funding Democracy. Excellent. All right. Thank you very All much. Right. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. We'll chat next week. All right. God bless, Dr. Bussler. Have a good night. Take yeah. care. Yeah, Rory, I'm um, another one of these Eastern Time people and probably Dr. Yarrow, need to sign have, off pretty soon. Dr. Yarrow, we have about yeah. 10 minutes left in the show. We have about oh, 10 minutes okay. left in the show. I want to ask you a few questions. So sure. you, worked, you worked as a consultant with the World Bank. I, I wanted to get to this. Can you explain to me kind of what your duties were? Because the World Bank always fascinates me, the Federal Reserve, all this different stuff. So you were very involved with that from an economic standpoint. Well, this was a fair amount of time ago. And basically, you know, given my background as a journalist and someone who writes, I was really just writing reports for them. I mean, I was not, you know, uh, devising economic development projects. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't say that, uh, you know, I was playing with the, the kinds of money and, and economic tools that, uh, you know, may or may not help other countries. Well, it also says, you know, U.S. Department of Education, the U.S. Export-Import Bank, you were consultant for, uh, and the American Institutes for Research, which is another big uh, entity. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, I mean, with the education department, uh, you know, that was around the time of No Child Left Behind, which I think yeah. was a well-intentioned bipartisan act, a piece of legislation, but, you know, it really went wrong. Uh, I mean, the whole issue of you know, teaching to the test, uh, yeah. taking a lot of the the life and the creativity out of uh, out of education. But uh, yeah, so I was what I was doing at the education department was sort of evaluating different programs. I mean, uh, Ed, the education department of Ed, um, you know, funds these pilot projects around the country. Kind of what works, what doesn't, and a variety of things. Right. But, but I would say you know my uh, main work certainly in recent years has been looking uh, well in the last two years looking at men and the the many ways in which you know men are struggling and it's right. you know while it's it's very true that a lot of women are struggling the. Sexual violence is is real. Sexual assault is real, and it's horrible. But yeah. the issues, a lot of the issues we've talked about tonight, and many others that I talk about in my book, you know, just yeah. do not get attention. So, right. no, I I hear you, and you know, from 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 you, you know, you working, you know, you you've done a lot of economic stuff, you know, in your life, and. Uh, from from the way the economy is at this point, are you satisfied with with the economy with the results? I know you're I know you're kind of in the middle yeah. on the political spectrum. So yeah, I mean I think you know it's it's pretty com- complicated. Um, the unemployment rate, you know, is it is very low at three point nine percent, but the unemployment right. rate 
only counts people who've been looking for work in the last four weeks. If you're out of work and haven't been looking for work or don't want work, you're not counted. And that's where, you know, I get back to this labor force participation rate as being a kind of better model of, of, you know, how our workforce is doing. And the fact that there's so many men uh, and women, but the fact that the percentages of men working has declined so precipitously over the last 50 years um, doesn't bode well for the country, certainly doesn't bode well economically or psychologically for men and their families. And um, so I think it's, you know, it's a very mixed economic picture out there. And, you know, as we've seen with the stock market in the last week or so, you know, there's a lot of volatility. It's hard to say, you know, where things are going economically. But, you know, not to be too much of a pessimist, it, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of risks in the economy now. What? You know, from you know, you you've you've done you you know, from where from what you saw, you know, you know, at you know, twenty thirty years ago to now. I mean, obviously, we know technology has evolved. We know stuff has evolved in so many different ways. But you know how you know has the, the spectrum changed in your opinion on, on these different levels? Well, I mean, one function of technology has been to really eliminate a lot of middle-skilled jobs. Technology and the shifting of uh, production to lower-wage countries, to developing countries. And, you know, it's meant that a lot of people have, have lost their jobs, and a lot of these people, you know, don't find new jobs. And many men I talk to you know, also said, you know, they were in a good job, paying well. And so, yeah, their jobs out there at Chipotle or Walmart or McDonald's, but they feel that yeah. it's below them, and I can understand right. that. Right. No, I no, I, no, I hear you, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I had more of a as, a, as the show comes to an end here, you know, I have a few minutes left, I had more of a, a little bit of a selfish question, but I'm sure some of the audience will give value out of this as well. As, you know, yeah. someone who, like I've, I like I've stated, is, you know, a, a young man, specifically, you've, you've done a lot of things in your life. What advice would you give me just in general or in specific um, about, you know, leading my life where I'm going to, you know, give meaning uh, and, you know, move this country and the world in a in a positive way like you have? Well, I think, you know, the fact that you're such a good student, that you're studying well, I mean, that's very important. I think, you know, to have a good work ethic, to have a good sense of responsibility. I mean, a lot of these values aren't really taught anymore, either by families or in schools or and religious organizations, but, you know, things like responsibility and responsibility to others, fellow citizens, is important. And, you know, it's certainly a controversial issue, the idea of promoting marriage, but there's a lot of data out there, and I've written about, um, 
you know, people who are married do better economically or in better health, um, and particularly men. Uh, you know, men, I talk a fair amount about lonely men in my book, and, you know, men do worse when they're on their own than than women. Uh, you know, women are more likely, as I said a while ago, to, you know, form book clubs, to, you know, go on, you know, the girls' trips or whatever. And so I think it's important for for you and and for men more generally in America to to kind of bond better, you know, not yeah. uh, not lose friends, not lose. Hey, hey, Andrew, I want to Andrew Yarrow. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I do uh, please promote where people can find your book and your website. Sure, sure. My book, uh, Man Out, Men on the Sidelines of American Life, of course, is on Amazon, like almost anything else out there. And it's probably the best way to buy it. It is in some bookstores. Um, But, uh, and, you know, my personal website is www.andrewlyarrow.com. But I've got a a small website for this book, www.manout.us, in which I kind of post periodic blogs about issues relating to men. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, Thank you for coming on. Uh, It's truly been a pleasure, and uh, I will uh, have you back on soon. That sounds great, Rory. It's been a pleasure to be on and to talk with everybody and and the group tonight. And as I say, I'm sort of fading here. It is after midnight. No, absolutely. No, 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 I totally understand. And thank you. And uh, uh, we'll have you back soon again. That sounds great. Okay, take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So we have a few minutes left. I do just want to make a few quick announcements. Um, President Trump did announce today, and, you know, I I didn't make this announcement earlier, but he is sending troops to the border to stop the caravan. So our military is being utilized down there, which is amazing. President Trump has also announced another $6 million ad buy and at least 10 more midterm campaign rallies. So he's going to be on the trail a lot more. Uh, New York Times put out New York Times put out a fake story yesterday saying that Trump's cell phone was being tapped and it was completely false. And Trump even reported that today. Um, on Twitter that he only uses government cell phones. So you have all this fake news going around. It's just disgusting. And then um, you know, I want to also say another big thing. Um, the Department of Homeland Security can confirm that gang members, previous deportees, and criminals are in the caravan, which is scary. Um, so you have these people that are repeatedly coming back and not learning. Um, nuts, nuts, nuts. So, uh, big announcement. Um, starting next week, we will be doing all our shows on TV. Um, well, obviously, um, we'll be doing it online, but we'll be on video as well as audio. So, we'll be doing radio and video. So, um, TV and, and, and radio 
all over the internet. We'll be streaming it everywhere. Um, and uh, we have a lot of big things planned, and that will be all related to our um, site, uh, the, the nextgenusa.com. That's V T H E N E X G E N USA.com. And uh, we'll be doing all our live broadcasts from there, as well as we'll be having uh, many other people that will be doing their own TV shows and radio shows from our network. Um, so it's really exciting. You'll literally feel like you're watching Fox News or, or whatever channel you do. Um, regularly. I mean, it's it's going to look amazing. I mean, we've been uh, putting this together, so I'm, I can't wait to share it with all of you. Um, yeah, so, so exciting. Um, and uh, I do want to thank everyone, uh, all my audience for tonight, uh, my special guests, uh, our sponsors, my co-hosts. Uh, it's been an amazing show. We've gotten lots of things addressed um, and uh, taken care of uh, and established. Um, you know, the things I did not get to, I will get to early next week, as well as we'll probably be having a video broadcast show over the weekend uh, about certain things. Um, and uh, we will be on our huge brand new network. So it will we'll be on a totally different network starting this weekend and next week. So that's that's kind of a new direction and uh, a new road and adventure and uh, excited to take you on it. Um, as always, um, actually, Josh, go ahead, promote, go ahead, uh, promote yourself where they can find you. My co-host, Josh yeah, Levati yeah. out of Ohio. Thank you, Rory. Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram if you would at J O S H H L A V the Victor A T Y. Absolutely. And, you know, as always, guys, uh, you can find us on, just to name a few platforms, we are on like 30 or 40 different platforms, but to, just to name a few, uh, iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player.fm, CastBox, um, iTunes, uh, all, all the, the radio public, the, the mainstream, all the big ones. Um, and uh, we're doing really well with our audience, and I want to keep thanking the audience because you guys are doing amazing. Like I said earlier in the show, we are now downloadable in 18 different countries. So um, what I want to say uh, is that you can look at RorySolder.tv, visit the Donald J. Trump Store.com, um, visit GetYourAppBuilt.com, um, also visit the Next Gen USA, and you can visit me on Twitter, Facebook. Um, all my social media accounts, um, as usual. And uh, I hope you all have a fantastic and blessed weekend. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, being with all of you. And uh, I'll see you again soon, everybody. I'm Rory Sutter. Cheers.